0: Welcome to the Dick Schroeder podcast. Dick draws his teaching from a deep well of love for the Bible and 50 years of strategic ministry among university students. Enjoy this episode and remember, your Father in Heaven loves you. There's a couple of books on the book table that I'd like to recommend to you. The first one is a book that is the story of Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee was a, a man in the, in the Chinese church that was used very effectively in, in the 20s, 30s, and the 40s before the communists took over. And probably his writings have been very influential in what is going on in China today. This is his life story, and it's it's a tremendous case study in a, in a man that, that learned to hear God's voice and respond to it. And so I would recommend that. This is a, a testimonial book. Another book, it's called Closer Than a Brother. It's a rewrite of a devotional classic called Practicing the Presence of God by a man named Brother Lawrence, written in the 1700s. And this is a modern-day rewrite of it, so it puts it in, in the context of the 20th century. And in this book, Brother Lawrence describes through a series of letters to a friend how he cultivated the sense of God's presence in everyday activity, just his working in a kitchen and and peeling potatoes and doing food preparation, he found a way to cultivate the presence of God. And so it's a very, this has been a very popular book for several hundred years. And it would be a good book in terms of learning to hear God's voice. And then finally, another book by Lauren Cunningham, who is the director of Youth With a Mission. This book is called, Is That Really You, God? And this traces the history of youth with a mission over the last 25 years. And he, and he really, by his life, illustrates principles of how he has learned to hear God's voice and move ahead in obedience to what the Lord has shown him. This is really an, an, uh, really an exciting book to read as you hear all the, the stories of how God has used uh, Lauren Cunningham in this particular way. So those are three books that I would encourage you to read for further reading and just further exploration of this subject. Well, let's pray together today. Father, once again, we we give thanks. We give thanks to you for your goodness and kindness. Lord, I thank you that this has been such a rich time in your presence. And I pray today, Lord, you will continue to instruct and guide us and to show us, Lord, how we can walk more closely to you. Teach us, Lord, to hear your voice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday we looked at some facts about hearing God's voice. One is that God created us for intimate fellowship with himself. And so communication in a two-way process is a very natural thing for us as Christians. God created us to hear him, and, and he created us to speak back to him and to have that rich relationship. We looked to also at the parental model, the fact that parents communicate with their children. And since we, we see that in the natural, how much more does God our eternal father desire to speak to us. And thirdly, we looked at the fact that we desperately need to hear God's voice in order to know what his plan for our life is and how we can do what the father is doing. And that's, we, 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 we mentioned the fact that Jesus walked in this way. He only did the things that the father told him to do. And he was in, in a perfect state of communion with the father. And as the father directed him each day, he did those works. Um, the book of John tells us that the world itself would not contain all of the books if everything that Jesus did was written. And, it, and that's John's way of saying that we, we couldn't write down everything Jesus did. All we have is a small portion. We have the essential portion that the Holy Spirit has given us. But Jesus did many, many more things in those three years than are written. And he did it all because the Father did that. And I think that's the that's a model for us as we're seeking to do the Father's will. We looked at three basic attitudes that we need to have. We need to have, number one, an attitude of faith. We need to believe that God is there and that he wants to speak to us. We looked at a whole bunch of scriptures that affirms that fact. That's the Father's desire, that he wants to guide and direct us through life. Secondly, we looked at the attitude of humility. We need to have a basic attitude of knowing that I am not sufficient to find my own way through life, but I need to know the way that God wants me to go. And if we're proud in our hearts, we won't bother to ask God about what his way is. As we walk in humility, we'll say, Lord, show me the way so that I can walk in it. And then thirdly, we talked about the attitude of abiding in God's word. And I need to continually give myself to God's word and let the word of God wash over my mind. I need to be renewed in the spirit of my mind. And as, as I do that, that, the word of God becomes guardrails for my life so that I don't, I don't get off on, into areas that are weird and non-biblical. Because you realize that we're, we're, when we talk about listening to impressions, walking by the voice of the Spirit, it's an area of risk, isn't it? See, we're talking about risky stuff. We're not talking about playing it safe. And just as there are great successes and and fruitfulness in in walking by the voice of the Lord, there are also great pitfalls, and there are things that we need to guard ourselves from. And so it's it's a risky road. But as I mentioned yesterday, uh, you you can spell faith, R-I-S-K. Because if you want to take a step of faith, there will always be an element of risk in it, And you'll need to take the risk of obedience. And when we're willing to do that, when we are are sure that this is God, and when we step out in obedience, then God's ministry comes and, and things happen in a powerful way. Well, today I want to continue talking about hearing God's voice. And I want to talk to you today about a thing that I call the prophetic key. The prophetic key. And I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, this is what Paul's critics said about him. He said this, These men who have upset the world have come here also. That was some of the bad publicity that Paul the Apostle and the Apostolic Company was receiving. That's Acts. Acts, 1 Corinthians 14. We'll look at that here just in a moment. Acts 17, 6. Paul's critics said of him the men that have upset the whole world have come here also. Now, I know what that says to you, but that says to me, Paul had an effective ministry. Boy, he shook things up wherever he went. And it's because Paul was a man who walked in the power of God. There's, there's a lot of evidence that the scripture points to that Paul was not a very macho man. He, he may have been a short, even crippled kind of man that was not very impressive in his speech, In fact, you know, some said that his speech was contemptible. And so in the flesh, Paul was kind of a, you know, he was kind of a weird dude. He wasn't anything that was a macho television star kind of person. But what the greatness of Paul the Apostle was is that Jesus flowed through his life in such a powerful way. That's what made his ministry so effective. And I want to look at one statement that Paul makes, and I want want to relate it to this verse in Acts 17, 6. In 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 18, Paul says this. He says, I thank God. I speak in tongues more than you all. And I think that there's a relationship between Paul's personal testimony, where he says, I speak in tongues more than you all, and the fact that wherever he went, things happened, and, and the world was shaken wherever Paul went. And I believe there's a correlation between those two things. In 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1, let's look at some verses that, that help us to understand the role of tongues, the role of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and especially in this area, in this realm of hearing God's voice. First Corinthians 14, 1, Paul says, Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Verse 2, for the one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands, for in his spirit he speaks mysteries. Here's the first fact about tongues, is that when a person speaks in tongues, they're not talking to people. You're not talking on a horizontal level, but you are communicating with God. And it says that no one understands. So we, we don't understand when someone speaks in an unknown language, and that's, that's by the divine will of God. And Paul says that in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. And when you are praying in the spirit, so you are praying beyond your intellectual ability. You are praying by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're praying prayers that the Holy Spirit supernaturally gives you in an unknown language. Mysteries, I believe, are 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 things you know that w- that, that are really past our finding out, or at least they're things that we need to discover. And I, I like to use this example. Now, I'm, I'm a campus minister. And so say, say I'm praying to the Lord one day and I say, Lord, you know, I'm a campus minister and, and I really need a salary of four thousand dollars a month. I need a home computer and I need a van all to the glory of God. Now, that, that may be the way that i I'm in my natural self would begin to pray. And then I start praying in the spirit. And the Holy Spirit begins making intercession. And maybe the Holy Spirit is praying a prayer like this. Oh, Father, don't listen to that prayer that Dick just prayed. He doesn't really know what he needs. But what he needs is he needs to learn to depend on you. He needs to learn to have faith in you. And so, Lord, arrange circumstances where you can sovereignly prove yourself in his life. And then I say amen, and God answers the prayer that I prayed in the Spirit. <laughs> All of us are aware that our, our prayer life is inadequate, and, and all of us have faced moments where you, pl- you pray in English, and it's, it's like you just don't. It, it's just like there's a limitation, isn't there? And that's why God has given us the ability to pray in tongues, because by that, we are tracking with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is praying through us. So a couple of facts about tongues that we want to recognize. One is it's not speaking to people, but it's a direct communication to God. And the second thing that we learn is that we speak mysteries. We speak things beyond our mental understanding. In verse 3, Paul says, but one who prophesies. Now, Paul in this chapter is contrasting prophecy with speaking in tongues. He's not saying one is bad, but he's trying to to bring a balance to the church here in Corinth that was that was often to some abuses and some un, unbalanced things. And and Paul is really pushing for speaking in terms of prophecy. Now, as I understand prophecy, prophecy is not just when someone stands up in a meeting as has happened last night and says, "Thus saith the Lord, thus and so shall happen." That is a form of prophecy, and that's a very legitimate form of prophecy as we gather together. But I believe that, that it's not just in that smaller context. I believe that prophecy can happen at, as, as we're walking our lives out on a daily basis. I can speak a prophetic word to someone, a word that is anointed from God, and a word that will strike into the hearts of people. Now, I'll give you some examples of that here in a minute one who prophesies speaks to men. See, tongues is to God. Prophecy is when you speak to people, and you speak to people for three reasons, edification, exhortation, and consolation. One teacher says that that you you speak in prophecy to build up, to stir up, and to cheer up. That's what the prophetic word is intended to do. It's intended to stir you, to build you up, and to cheer you up. Verse four, one who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now that's another fact of what speaking in tongues does. When you are speaking in tongues and praying in the spirit, you're speaking mysteries, but you are edifying your own spirit. I like to think of it like a spiritual battery charger. And when you are praying in the spirit, you are edifying and strengthening your own spirit for the purpose of speaking prophetic words to people. It's not just so that, hey, I'm, I can be happy and I can be blessed and built up, but it's so that I might leave my place of prayer and be an effective witness. See, and, and I've heard sometimes people criticize um, Pentecostals because they say, well, it's a selfish thing to want to just pray in the Spirit and build yourself up. Well, I don't think that's true. I think that if I'm going to be effective in my daily walk with God, I need to have a full tank. I don't do real well when I, when my spiritual tank is empty. And that's what praying in the spirit does. See, praying in the spirit regenerates my, 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 like as it were, fills my spiritual tank up. And then when I'm out, I'm in a better place where God can speak and guide and direct me to, to, to minister to other people. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. And this is Paul's higher goal is his Is that he wants people to to edify the whole body, the whole group of people that are gathered together, not just to edify yourself, but when you yourself are edified, you're going to be in a lot better position to edify the body. Now, in verse five, Paul says this, he says, now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Now, that tells me two things. Number one, it tells me that everyone in Corinth had not come into this dimension of of perhaps being used in the gifts of the Spirit and being released in in having a prayer language. And that's the way it is today, isn't it? There's some people in in our fellowship in Bozeman that have come into this experience, and there's others that are still coming into that. And I would say that that's that's Christian reality. We're always going to be dealing with people that, that haven't come into that experience. Now, does Paul want you to come into that experience? Yes. He says, now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. See, that's the apostle's desire. He's saying, now I want you all to come into this dimension. But then he says, but even more that you would prophesy. Greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. Paul's desire is that the whole group, the church, be built up. And so he's he's calling for a mature response, and he's calling for people to learn to speak prophetic words so that the, the, the work of the Lord can be done. Now in verses 14 and 15, let's skip down to there. Verse 14 says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Verse 15, what is the outcome then? I shall pray with the spirit, and I shall pray with the mind also. Now, this is the biblical balance. See, we are to pray in tongues, and we're to pray with our minds. Both of those are appropriate. And the same with singing. I shall sing with the spirit, and I shall sing with the mind also. Otherwise, if you bless in the spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted See, that's, that's a person that hasn't come into this dimension yet. Say the amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying. For you are giving thanks well enough, but the other man is not edified. And then verse 18, "I thank God, I speak in tongues more than you all." So now, now don't please, don't misunderstand the scripture. So I know tongues gets a lot of bad publicity. And for some of us, it's a very emotional issue. And one of the reasons that is so, I believe, is that Satan does not want people entering into this dimension because entering into this dimension is a dimension of warfare. And it's, it's part of the spiritual equipment that God wants to give his church. And how many of you would agree that the spiritual gifts are not just charismatic toys? They are tools given to do spiritual work. And you cannot do spiritual work without the right tools. Those of you who, you know, tinker around with tools know that you need tools to do the job, don't you? And if you don't have the right tool, it can be a real headache trying to work on a car engine and not have the right wrench or the right, um, you know, fitting that's going to make the, the, the thing work for you. It's a real problem. And that's the same way spiritual work is. The gifts of the spirit are not just playthings, And sometimes I think that the Pentecostal church has treated them as such. And instead of really using them and and moving out in them the way God has intended, we've tended to just to kind of keep them in the church service and and have a, a charismatic good time. And that's it. And that is not the intention. I believe that we need the gifts of the spirit in our evangelism. We desperately need the gifts of the spirit as we're ministering to people. Because the gifts of the spirit see unlock people's problems. They unlock people's hearts, and it allows it allows us by by supernatural power to reach into people's hearts, and God can minister to them and to heal them. And you see, counseling won't substitute for that. Just just bu- good Bible teaching and reading your Bible does not substitute for the gifts of the Spirit. They're essential tools that are given to the church if if we're going to have the full kind of ministry that Jesus has intended us to have. Now, Paul dispels all doubts about his stand on tongues because he says, now, I speak in tongues more than y'all. I think he was from the South, you know. He says, I speak in tongues more than y'all. And so by that statement, he's not saying that it's bad, but he's just saying there is a proper use of tongues, and I want you to learn to prophesy. See, I want you to learn to speak the word of God in an anointed way that's going to impact and influence other people. I like to use this example. I'm sure many of you have, have had this experience. You know, you, you're, you're working outside on a hot day and you're sweaty and you're thirsty and you go to the hose to get a drink and you turn on the water and you take a drink and, oh, what do you get? The water is hot, and it tastes like hose rubber. Oh, you just go, yucko. You know, it's terrible. So what do you do? You turn the water on. You let it run for a while. Let it kind of wash through that rubbery taste. You get some new water in the hose. Then you go take a drink, and it's good and clean, and it's refreshing, isn't it? And I think that's what praying in the Spirit does. When when I've taken time to pray in the Spirit and and to, to use my prayer language, what that does is it's like it washes the old stuff away and if and if I come and speak to you and if I haven't spent time before the Lord in prayer and praying in the spirit all you're going to get is a lot of old schroeder water you know and you go yuck, that's no good but if I've prayed in the spirit and as as my heart's really come into contact with Jesus and as and as I'm coming in a place of being edified and filled, then as I come and minister, then you receive from the Lord. See, things happen. And you go, oh, yeah, man, that's neat. Just what we've experienced this week with Rick Howard. There's been an anointed ministry, hasn't there? We've been, we've been struck by what he's spoken to us. And God is, has been nudging at our hearts, working on us, dealing with us. And see, that's, that's the prophetic word going forth. And Rick Howard said himself, he says, I probably speak in tongues more than all of you do. But he says he does it when he's, when he's alone. He does it at a, in, in his prayer closet. He uses the gift that God has given him because that prepares us to, to, to speak out and to use the, the other gifts that God, that God would want to use. I think one of the probably failures of the Pentecostal church is that we have talked a lot about tongues, but many Pentecostal people have failed to use their gift in a way that they should have because it's really meant for your private devotional life. That's where that's where it's to be used. And and I m- myself when I'm in in appropriate situations like if I'm in the car alone, I'm just quietly praying in the spirit. When I'm working and no one's around, I'm praying in the spirit. I don't do it to be obnoxious, and if someone's around, I'm not going to I'm not going to do it in front of them because it would look foolish to them. But in in, in appropriate situations, I'm praying in the spirit because by doing that I'm edifying my spirit. I'm building myself up. And I'm going to be in a place that God can use me to speak his words. In verse 19, Paul says this. In verse 18, however, he says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. However, in the church, I desire to speak five words with my mind that I may instruct others also rather than 10,000 words in a tongue. And I think here that Paul is giving us a picture. He's saying that in my prayer closet, I speak the 10,000 words in an unknown language. Now, that's a lot of praying, isn't it? 10,000 words. That's a good bit of praying. But see, when I've taken time to pray the 10,000 words alone in my prayer language, when I come to the church or when I come to meet someone, maybe the Lord will give me five words that will have impact in their life. See, that's what the prophetic word is. It's that word that slices into people's lives, and they go, wow, what God's talking to me. We don't sound just like tape recorders, but we sound like people speaking from God. And this is the prophetic key that I believe God wants us to use, the prophetic key to slice into people's lives and to open their hearts up and and, and to reveal that God loves them and, and cares for them. Tongues adds booster prayers or booster rockets to our prayers. When we're praying in the Spirit, it's like putting booster rockets on the prayers that we've prayed, and something of power goes forth. In verse 24 and 25, these are a couple of verses that have really challenged me. And it says, Paul says, But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed so that he will fall on his face and worship God, declaring that God is certainly among you. See, this is what the prophetic word does. The prophetic word slices into people's it, right into their hearts, right into the secret places where they think no one else knows. And it, and it exposes what's in their heart. And their response is, is that, wow, God is here. And then they respond to the Lord. See, it, it, it's a way of bringing them into a place of responding and, and, uh, and their hearts are touched. And, and uh, have you ever been to a church like that where that kinds of thing happens? I think see, we're, we're, in these days we're going to more and more be moving into that where, where as, as the holiness of God and as, as men and women like yourselves are walking in the light, w- w- the Lord is going to give words that expose people's hearts. The Lord is going to give us words that will bring out things. I believe, like as last night, there was a, um, a number of prophetic words that came forth, and I believe each of those words were for a few people here. And maybe, maybe as you listen, one of those just wow, that was for me. And see, that's what the prophetic word is. God just really touches a person at their point of need, and and then they respond. I have a couple examples I'd like to share. I have a girl that graduated from our, our our fellowship several years ago, and she was taking guitar lessons from uh, a Japanese man, who was a a master guitar player. And they were on their way up to a little town north of Bozeman, and and it was a it was in the winter, and the roads were slippery, and and she was driving along, and the car went into a skid and started spinning down the road, and, and of course she was she was afraid. And the only thing she knew to do was to call on the Lord. And she burst out speaking in tongues. I don't necessarily advise this, but but that's what she did. And after uh, the car spun around and she got the car under control and she pulled off the road and just went, oh, you know, because it was a really a traumatic event. And after uh, she composed herself, she looked over at her Japanese guitar teacher and he was looking at her with wide eyes. And he said to her, when I didn't know you spoke Japanese. And she says, I don't speak Japanese. And he said, oh, yes, you do. And and, and it took her a while to convince him that she really didn't speak Japanese, but that was a gift of the Holy Spirit. And that was the Holy Spirit speaking. And finally, when he became convinced that she didn't know Japanese, uh, he was rather relieved because she said, well, what did I say? And he said to her, you said some very intimate things to me. And see, what did God do? God used that instance to touch his heart in a way, in his own language. God used that. And every time you speak in tongues, it's not going to be a language that's known, but God can do that. And that happened in this this student's life. There's a pastor that uh, lived in Boise, Idaho. He's now passed away and was with the Lord. And this man was was tremendously used by God, a man who walked closely with Jesus. And this one day, he was was out in his car, out out in the mountains of Idaho, just driving around, and he saw a sheepherder with his little wagon up on the hill. And the Lord spoke to him to get out of his car and go talk to this man. So this pastor, being obedient to the spirit, he did that. And he walked up to this man and and, and just casually said, how, how are you? You know, it's a nice day. And this man just turned away and ignored him. So he just kind of walked around to the other side. And Again, he approached him and said, hi, my name's Pastor so-and-so. And again, this man just ignored him. And so he's saying, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord spoke to him. He said, speak in tongues. So he did. He spoke in tongues. And as soon as he did, this guy turned around, his eyes about this big, and he listened a while pastor, this pastor spoke in tongues. And then after he finished, this guy looked at him and said, how did you know that? And, and Pastor Buck, Buck said, how do how did I know what? And he said, you, you were speaking in my native Sicilian language. And he says, How did you know that? And he says, Well, I don't know that. That's that's God's trying to speak to you. And and and, and as it turns out, this guy, the sheep herder, knew it was God because God spoke to him in his in his name that he was given back in his old country, and nobody here in America ever knew that name. And so what did it do? It opened this man's heart, and the man became a Christian. Now, now this pastor still had to lead him to the Lord. He still prayed the prayer of repentance. He gave his heart to Jesus. But see, that prophetic word touched his heart, and it opened him to receive the Lord. And see, that's what the prophetic word does. It opens people's hearts up, and there's a response. People fall on their face, and they say, God is certainly among you. We've got a, a student that's from Venezuela, and he's a, he's a Catholic, and probably not a real knowledge of the scripture. And, and I'm not really sure where his relationship was with the Lord was at. But two years ago, he came to one of our meetings and we were uh, going through the Passover celebration at this particular meeting. And it's a time where we sit around tables and we go through the typology, of the Passover, and we pray and have communion. It's a real special time together. And, and after the meeting, he went up to one of our students and he said, you know, he says, I've never been to this meeting before. And, uh, he says, but you know, God is here. And he, he went on to say, he says, I've been a Catholic for years. He says, I've never sensed God, but God is in this place. And see, God began to really touch his life and really begin to minister to him just, just through his presence. So God wants us to operate in this, in this prophetic dimension, see, where God can use our words to speak to people. Let me give you a couple of areas. Prophetic evangelism. Prophetic evangelism. In John chapter four, when Jesus met the woman at the well, he had sent the disciples into town for some for some lunch. And this woman came up to him and and Jesus, Jesus spoke to her and he said, I've got uh, water. I've got water that you'll never thirst again. And she was real interested in getting this. And she says, well, you don't have anything to draw with. Where do you get this water? And he he speaks to her. And finally, he uh, he tells her, go call your husband and she says uh, well i don 't have a husband, which was true, but it wasn 't the whole truth and jesus says well that 's right. the man you 're now living with isn 't your husband, and you 've had five husbands and what happened woman 's heart was torn open, and she's, and then she starts you know saying well the, you know the the Jews say you ought to worship in Jerusalem, and we Samaritans say this, Where do you say we should worship And Jesus answers her question. But she is so impacted by this encounter with Jesus that she leaves her water pot and she goes into town and says, I found the Messiah. And later, whole bunches of people come out to see Jesus and they believe because they hear his word. And see, Jesus operated in a a word of knowledge there. God, the father, showed Jesus the contents of this woman's heart. And when he spoke that word, her heart was opened, wasn't it? And she was converted through that. Again, the the, the gift does not do the converting. It just opens people's hearts. It's God getting people's attention. Don't you believe there's people on our campuses that we need to get their attention? You know, there's people just going their own way, trucking through life, thinking they're doing all right. And see, the prophetic word, as the Lord would give it to us, is going to arrest people right where they're at. We have a, a group of folks that go out in evangelism in our fellowship in this one girl, Wendy, they, they were out one day, and as was their custom, they would go into the student union building, and they, and as before they would go out, they'd say, now, Lord, you lead us today to the right person. You know who we're to talk to, and we'll, we'll, we'll just be led by your spirit today. So they were out just walking through the, the student union building, and, and the Lord just gently nudges one of them and said, sit down with this lady. So they sat down, they introduced themselves, and they said, we'd, we'd like to talk to you about Jesus. We're from University Christian Fellowship. And this girl says, well, okay. And so they, they share with her and they start getting her to talk. And she tells them this story. She says, I've got a boyfriend that's an atheist and he's really been pressing me to give up whatever faith that I have. And, and in fact, I was just reading in my psychology book, The Psychology of Atheism. That's what her textbook was reading about that day. And, and she said, I've, I've been praying today that if God is real, that he somehow would show me. And God sent these two obedient servants, and that was a prophetic word that touched her heart, that God was real, and he cared about her. These are what I call divine appointments. see, Divine appointments happen when we pray, and we're we're, we're just in that place of of sensing the, the nudges of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have sensed the Lord directing or tugging on your heart? Let me see your hands. That's good. That's good. Probably most of us have at some point in our lives. The key, I think, is to become more sensitive to that and more obedient to those promptings. I'll talk about that on uh, on Wednesday when we're together. There's a, there's a man um, who I've really come to appreciate. His name is John Wimber, and he tells this story. He was on an airplane and uh, traveling somewhere, and he, and he sat down in the aisle seat, and he looks over, and there's another man sitting here and... And he sees in the spirit. Now he's, he's seeing kind of a vision, but he sees adultery written across this man's head. He thinks, "Whoa, man, this is weird. Adultery. <laughs> and then the Lord speaks to him a name and gives him the name, say Mary. So John's sitting there. See, the Lord has spoken to him now. Now the Lord wants to do something in this man's life. So so John's sitting there. He's saying, now, Lord, what, what do I do with this information? And the Lord says, talk to him. And so John says, oh, how you doing, you know? And, uh, and, and he says, uh, does the name Mary mean anything to you? And this guy literally about falls out of his seat. <laughs> and his wife is sitting next to him. And he says, he says we got to get out of here. So they were in a 747. They, they went up into the bar, that little bar in the 747. And this guy says, how do you know? You don't know me. And John Wimber went on to say that, hey, I'm a pastor. And, and the Lord spoke to me. And and the Lord spoke to me that you're involved with a woman named Mary. And and then John Wimber with great boldness said, and the Lord says that unless you repent of this, he's going to take your life. I don't suggest you say that unless you're sure it's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) But it was the word of the Lord for this man. And this man says, what do I do? And and he led him to the Lord right there, right there in this bar in the 747. And and after he got it, he, he repented and he confessed his sin. He accepted Jesus and he said, man, what do I do? Oh, no. Do I, do I have to tell my wife? And John says, yeah, you need to go tell her and confess it and get out this thing right. So he went back and he told her. And of course, there was a, you know, there were, she came to the Lord through it as well. And there was a reconciliation of a marriage. And see, these people were just catapulted into the kingdom of God. That's the way the prophetic word works. Now, not every time we witness that may not happen. But we just need to be available to the Lord that if He wants to use us in that way, see we would be we would be open. That doesn't mean we don't witness if you know we don't have to hear a voice to witness we're to go out and proclaim the gospel. I believe the Lord will guide us and lead us in those kinds of things because He'll lead us to the right people. but sometimes, and we need to come to expect and ask the Lord now, Lord, you know there's ten thousand people on the campus in Bozeman. And when I walk around the campus, I'm saying, now, Lord, is there anybody you want to guide me to today? Who, who needs ministry today? And, 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 and not, not every time something happens, but, but sometimes it does. And I'm just open and obedient in heart. Prophetic evangelism. You'd be surprised what can happen as the Lord, you listen to what the Lord would say as you're talking to people. That's, that's what it is. You're just learning to listen as you're talking to someone. Say, Lord, is, is there anything you want me to tell them? And sometimes the Lord will give you which strategy in terms of what to share with the person. Sometimes the Lord will give you supernatural information about that person and it's going to impact them. Prophetic preaching is another dimension of this. Prophetic preaching. My pastor that was was the pastor of Christian Center Church in Bozeman, when I became a Christian, he, he told me this example. He said one day he was speaking in another church and he was talking about how in our relationship with the father, we really need to let the father's will be done and we shouldn't come as immature children insisting on having our own way. And he says as he was preaching, this example came to him and it was obviously from the Holy Spirit. And he says, for example, say you're wanting a car. And he and he he said I believe the mature way would say, "Lord, you give me the car that I need." or if we were immature and selfish we could say lord i want a white cadillac with steam heated door handles you know i want i want this deluxe car well it just so happened to be that the pastor of the church that he was attending or that, that he was speaking at had just bought a white cadillac and this was exactly the issue and god was speaking to him through this example that just came to him from the holy spirit and after the meeting this guy came up and and was just smitten in his heart, and he repented and realized that he had been holding on to something before God that he shouldn't. See, that's prophetic preaching. And when we share with people, and as the Lord gives you opportunities, see, as you've prayed in the Spirit and as you've come prepared, the Lord can give you specific examples. The Lord can give you specific knowledge and insight for a particular person that God wants to touch in that particular group. One time I was involved in a debate with a man who started a, a pornographic bookstore in Bozeman. This was several years ago, and uh, a, a student group put together a debate, and I was debating this man who unfortunately was a former Catholic priest and now was you know pushing homosexuality and pornographic books and all of that and doing making a business out of it and so we were we were debating and, and you know this side of the room was all the People that were for that kind of stuff, and the other side of the room was all was for all the Christians, and all the Christians were asking John, this guy John Bauer, questions, and all the folks on the other side were nailing me with questions. And man, it was a hot time. We were just really going, and I, and I was asking the Lord, now Lord, guide me and direct me, and just I wanted to be sensitive to Him. And as as the debate wore on, there was there was there was a uh, there were I was I, I continued to affirm God's righteousness. And, and, and I, I kept making the point that the, the biblical stand is not just my opinion, but this is what God says. This is what the creator says. This is not the opinions of men that you're arguing with. It's not just my philosophy against yours, but I am declaring to you what the living God says. And I, and I could see conviction beginning to work in people. And I could see that people that were opposed to righteousness were really being irritated. I mean, I could, I could watch it you know they were mumbling and grumbling, and I I could sense conviction coming upon their lives. And this one girl stood up, and and she was she was she was really stirred up and anxious. And she said to me, she said, you know, your sin, or, no, and she said, you offend me. And there was this murmur of yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> and the Lord dropped this. And I usually am not this confrontive, but the Lord dropped this into my heart. And I did. I just said, OK, Lord, I'm going to do it. And it all happened in a split second. And I pointed my finger and I said, your sin offends God. And it was it was like somebody slapped her. And because she literally physically reeled and, and she she got off all, uh, all flustered and, and, and couldn't say anything. And 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 then she finally blurted out, "The the trouble with you Christians is that you make us feel guilty." And then there was this loud applause from the from the unrighteous group. You know, <laughs> and and I was able to declare, "You're the reason you feel guilty is that you are guilty." And the solution is that Jesus forgives guilt. And it was a tremendous opportunity to to really nail the gospel right where everyone was at. And that was a see that was a prophetic word. The Lord just dropped that into my heart. And boy, you know I. People responded to that. <laughs> prophetic preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> How about prophetic praying? Prophetic praying. This is a neat area. Remember, Paul says, I pray with my mind and I pray with the Spirit. See, there's a place for us to pray with English. And when I pray for people's needs, I pray what I think they should have, you know, and many times the need is obvious and you should do that. But I also am always open to the Lord saying, "Now, Lord, is there anything else you want me to pray for this person? And that would be what I would call prophetic praying as the Lord would give you prayers for people. Let me give you a couple of examples. I was um, uh, ministering at a uh, a school, a youth with a mission, discipleship training school. And a a girl made a, a, a time to come in and receive some counsel, and she sat down, and and right away she blurted out the fact. She said, "I had an abortion eight years ago," and then she said, "But that's not what he, what I'm here to talk about." Well, right away I knew that God was wanting to deal do something here, and I said, "Well, it sounds to me like it's not resolved." And she says, "No, it's not," and so she she told me the story of what had happened and and. She just had not been able to get past this thing. It was just dragging her down continually. And, and, and as she's talking, I'm saying, Lord, what, what, what's the deal here? And, and, and the Lord, Lord spoke to me and, she, and, and told me she has not forgiven herself. That was the root problem. So I, I, I just asked her, I said, hey, do you think you've forgiven yourself? And she said, oh, no, I could never forgive myself for what I've done. And so I, I, I talked with her, and I, and, I, and I said, "If Jesus has forgiven you and He's perfect, who are you to hold unforgiveness against yourself? Are you better than God?" And, and she said, "Oh no." And I said, "That is really pride that w- refuses to forgive yourself." And she saw it, and she said, "You know, you're right." And so we went to prayer. She asked the Lord to forgive her for, uh, for holding unforgiveness against herself. And she chose to forgive herself. And and then I'm waiting. And I'm saying, okay now, Lord. And I knew that there was some healing that was needed here because this was a deep, painful thing in her life. So I'm praying. And I'm, I'm just saying, now, Lord, wh- what do you want to do? How do you want to minister this, to this precious young woman? And I get this picture in my mind. Now, this isn't a 3D technicolor, but it's just an impression in my mind. And, and what I see is I see Jesus standing before her and he's got his arms like this, and he's motioning, saying, Give that to me. And 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 the sin was represented by this ugly black heart. There's this ugly black thing, right? Right in her heart. And Jesus was saying, Give it to me. And and so I I started praying. I, I said, This is what I see. And I saw, prayed what I saw was just seeing in my mind. And 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 she took this black thing and she gave it to Jesus. And Jesus took it and he walked over and Threw it, threw it in the bottomless pit, and he came back with a new heart, a heart that was red and beating and, and he, a whole, you know, and he, and he reaches out his hands and he says, take this. And so she takes it and she puts it back in her heart and, and, it, and it's all healed up. So I, I just prayed through what I was seeing in the spirit. And when we were all done, obviously she, she began to weep and I knew that God was, was touching her. And she told me that she saw the same picture. She was, as I prayed that, she said, Jesus came and he took it away and now it's gone. And I could see in her eyes that there had been a deliverance and, and an inner, inner healing had taken place. And there was light in her eyes, light that it, had that come. There had been darkness in her eyes. I could see it when I saw her. By the way, look at, you watch people in the eye, you'll learn a lot about them. You you'll you learn so much about people by just looking into their eyes. You can see their pain. You can see you can see demonic activity if you look closely into people's eyes. You learn a lot about a person just by looking at them, and especially as I'm saying now, Jesus, teach me to look with your eyes. Help me to see what you see, and the Lord will teach us. That's part of this journey, see, that we're on to become more effective in the Lord. So there's, there's, there was light in her eyes, and and she and she she was smiling. It's like she couldn't quit smiling, and she was kind of giggly and. The Lord had really touched her and she uh, saw her pastor a week later. And the first thing her pastor said to her is that, what's happened to you? You're happy. And she was able to describe to him the event that had happened. And see, this, this abortion thing had made such a deep thing in her life. And uh, the Lord ministered and, and set her free. And I, I saw her a year later and she was still walking in freedom. She was still going on with the Lord and that thing had been resolved. That's what prophetic praying is. I was praying for another person, and I, they had shared a need with me, and I was praying with them, and, and then another one of these pictures came to me, and I, and I saw what, what, what it looked like just a bushel basket over this person's, person's head, and on the basket was written condemnation. And, and so I just prayed. I said, well, in the name of Jesus, I just removed this basket of condemnation, and, and after and, and, and that was it. That was what I prayed, and, that, and, and I went on and prayed for the next person. It was not I mean, I wasn't aware that anything happened. After the ministry time was over, this, this particular person came up to me and said, you know, when you prayed that, there's something that left me, and, and I'm free. There, there, she said it was just like a basket of condemnation was over my head, and now that's gone, and I'm free. So that's prophetic praying. The gifts of the Spirit give us, give us insight into how to help people. Uh, Todd, uh, my associate, the guy who's been leading worship, just just yesterday, he was praying for uh, for one of the people that had come forward for an offense, and, and and this was an offense of a sexual nature, and there was some bonds, like Rick Howard was talking to us this morning, there was some bonding that needed to be broken and and snipped off in the Holy Spirit, and as as they were praying, Todd began to get names. He kind of went, what? And the Lord, the Lord says, ask about this. And so he said, what about this person? And you, you, you could see their jaw drop as they as, as they heard this word because it was coming from God. There was no way that Todd would ever know that. That was not common knowledge, but it was supernatural information given by the Holy Spirit. And the Lord gave him several other pieces of information, and it led to a, a, a significant time of ministry in this person's life. And you see, these, these things... They're not just for, for, for pastors and spiritual heavies. They're for everyone that will seek God and walk in humility. Because, see, Jesus wants to give you. And you know why he wants to give you words and, and understanding? Is that he loves the world out there, and we're his vessels for reaching the world. And, see, the gifts of the Spirit, is just, it's just God's love reaching through us to people in need. And I can't make the gifts of the Spirit happen. I mean, I can't conjure them up. I can't make them happen. All I can do is say, Lord, I'm open. I'm an open vessel. And if the Lord begins to speak to me, then I step out in obedience and I and I share what, what the Lord is sharing with me. And more times than not, it's right on. And it's a wonderful thing. Doesn't that challenge you? Say, boy, you go out in evangelism, man, you just never know what the Lord's going to show you. You never know what bam, is going to happen in someone's life. Hallelujah. Another dimension is prophetic statesman. Prophetic statesman. And what I mean by this is these are professional people who can speak for God. Whether you're an architect, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a bricklayer, whether you're a a painter, whether you're a pastor, you can be a professional person and, and be a professional prophetic person for God. I like to see Holy Ghost teachers being able to speak encouragement to our students. and see, sometimes the word of the Lord doesn't always have to be just Bible. Sometimes ministry can happen as you reach out to someone and say, you know, I really appreciate you. And man, they sense the love of God. So I don't even have to mention Jesus all the time, but I can minister to people just out of who I am. And a lot of times pre-evangelism takes place as, as these little seeds are planted, and it's not time for conversion yet. All it is, it's a seed that's ready to be planted to bring a person closer to the Lord, you know. You know, that see, some, we just we need, need to understand that. And, and, and man, professional people have such a place of, of authority in our society. They're looked up to and revered. And I'd like to see Holy Ghost doctors. There's a, a man that we sent off to med school this year, and I I have told him that he's going to be a Holy Ghost doctor. He's in his first year of med school. And he's going to go and learn and be trained on on all the natural things of medicine and all that. And he needs to learn that. But he also has the dimension of the Holy Spirit working with him. And those two work right together. My personal physician in Bozeman is a Christian. And when I go into him, he gives me the prognosis and then prescribes whatever remedy I need. And then he always prays for me. that's such a wonderful thing to go to a doctor that he knows all the medical knowledge. But after all he can do, then we ask Jesus to move in and to minister healing. And it's a wonderful thing. I love going to him because I feel loved and cared for after I've gone to my Holy Ghost doctor. There's a guy named Howard Hill. He's an engineer and he's retired now. But he's a very brilliant man. He's a man who has many patents. He's invented a lot of stuff. And then the guy is just he's a genius, you know. And one day he, he, he came to the Lord in the 60s and he started learning to walk with the Lord and seeing these manifestations happen. And he was called to go to this place where they had this great big machine set up and um, this special equipment. And they were having troubles that every time they turned it on, it would blow out $5,000 worth of tubes and equipment. And it got real expensive, you know, tr- trying to make this thing run, you know, turn it on and there go $5,000 worth of tubes. And the technicians just could not find out what the problem was. So this guy's driving down to the place where, the, where, the, where this equipment is, and he's praying in the spirit. He's saying, oh, Jesus, what's wrong with this machine? You know, I'm just open. And the Lord gives him this picture and he had never seen this 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 particular unit so he didn't know really you know what what it looked like physically but the lord showed him that on on this machine there was this junction box and and the lord said you take that plate off you turn that screw 1 quarter turn and the thing will work so you know he goes down you know and he you know the lord has given him this picture and he says well i'm going to try this so he walks in and they they tell him all these problems and you know and and, and he says, uh, take that plate off. So this technician takes the plate off. And he says, turn that screw off quarter of a turn. They do it. He says, put the plate back on. And then he says, now turn it on. And they go, no way. We're not going to blow out $5,000 worth of tubes. You know, they think this guy's a kook, you know. So he turns it on. And to all of their amazement, it works. I mean, they're just, they're just standing there with their mouths open. And he says, I was, I was sitting there feeling like, uh, you know, the man of God for the hour. And the Lord speaks to him and says, dummy, I didn't do that to glorify you. You better tell him who gave you that information. <laughs> and so this whole group of technicians, he said, come over here. And he was able to tell them about how on the way down, the Lord had given him a picture and said, do this and the thing will work. And he shared with them his testimony, how he came to know the Lord. Do you think those guys listened? You bet they did. And that was a he was a prophetic statements statesman to these men. So I believe we need to ask God for events like that. And I believe the Lord can do that. And then finally, we need to be prophetic leaders. We need to be prophetic core group leaders, prophetic Bible study leaders, prophetic Sunday school teachers. And that means that as I'm caring for people, wanting to disciple them, wanting to draw them on in the Lord... I need to be listening to the Holy Spirit. And, and, and I believe that the Lord will give you words of encouragement. The Lord will give you timely things for that person to help them grow in the Lord. Maybe the Lord will give you insight into an area that they need to grow in. Maybe the Lord will give you an, air, an area that they're struggling with and, and needs to be brought out of their lives. And I don't know what the Lord's going to do. But see, a prophetic leader is a leader that's in tune with his or her people. And is able to give them things that, boy, it's right on, you know. And you, you have the sense that this person is really hearing from God. And God wants us all to be that way. We, we learn to become more, more sensitive. We learn to be more open to the Holy Spirit. And, and God wants to flow his, his life through us. Now, going back to what we started with, I believe that one the reason why the Lord has given the gift of tongues to the church it sees so that we can be built up and that we can be more effective in being used of the Lord. I, I don't, I'm not trying to make a theological stand here. I, I'm not saying that if you don't speak in tongues, you can't be used of the Lord, because that's simply not true. All I'm saying is that the Apostle Paul said, I want you all to speak in tongues, but I even more want you to prophesy and to be able to speak those prophetic words into people's lives. And if, if you have received the gift of tongues, I want you to use it. Don't let it sit buried in the ground like the parable of the, of the talents. Remember the one guy just took the money and buried it. And he didn't do anything with it. And the Lord was displeased with him. So if God's given you the gift, use it. Use it regularly. Use it daily. Cultivate the discipline of using it. Because that's going to sharpen your sense of hearing from the Holy Spirit. I've been... I've been uh, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit now 16 years, and I say there's probably a, not a day in my life in those 16 years that I didn't pray in the Spirit sometime during that day. It's just a way of life with me. When I when I I'd mentioned that I came from a, a nominal Lutheran background, and, and I didn't know anything about the Bible. I knew who Jesus was, and I knew a few of the stories, but that's really about all the Bible that I knew. I had never heard of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I never had heard of speaking in tongues. And, and when I got saved at that Barry Maguire concert, I started going to this Friday night fellowship at this at this man's house. And, man, I was just, I didn't know anything about anything. And I went to this meeting and these people, they were all raising their hands. Now, that was kind of weird, you know, at the beginning. I thought, Well, oh, this is different. But the thing that really mystified me is they were all speaking in languages that I didn't know. And I thought, wow, these folks must know German and Spanish or some language. I didn't know what it was, but I just thought, well, they, they're just linguistic people, you know. I had no idea that this thing was, was a supernatural thing from God. The only thing I knew is that Jesus was there, and I, and I liked to be where Jesus was. So I was, I was, and these people reached out and loved me, and so I felt comfortable being in the meeting. But it was just all so different, you know. So finally I got up the courage to ask somebody about what was going on. And they told me, well, that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay, well, I'm coming from a Lutheran background now. So baptism to me means what happened when I was about three days old, you know, and got sprinkled. And I, I just, that was more confusing. I was like, what is this stuff? So finally, after uh, after some more weeks went by, I started really asking people, now what's going on here? And they told me that this is a, a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. And they, they took me to the Word of God. And they showed me these scriptures in 1 Corinthians 14. They showed me other passages in Acts where this was a common experience in the New Testament church. And I said, wow, that's great. I, I really want this thing. And I was in another one of these Friday night meetings and I prayed that night. And I said, no, Lord, I really want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And no more had I prayed that prayer than the man who was leading the meeting stopped. And he came over to me and he laid his hands on me and said, Lord, Dick wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he didn't know that, except he was being led by the spirit, and that taught me two things: one that hey, God really hears my prayers, and two, this thing of the spirit is really real. see the Lord was teaching me through that, and they prayed for me that night, and I, I didn't speak in tongues then, but it was just a few days later that i was I was praying, and all of a sudden I realized I wasn't praying in English, I was praying in this new language, and that's how I came into the baptism of the holy Spirit and if there are those of you here that have not come into that, I'd love to pray with you. Because Jesus wants you to come into that. Because he wants you to be able to be edifying yourself. He just wants you to operate in this, in this area that is really, I believe, is the gateway to hearing and to being used in all the other gifts of the Spirit. You know, miracles and healings. All of that starts out of having a, an edified spirit yourself. And it's a tremendous gift. One of the reasons I knew when I got baptized in the spirit, I knew it had to be from God because I speak a little Spanish and I know how hard that is, but I could rattle off this new language and my mind was just in neutral. And I knew that this had to be from God because there's no way that I could make that up. I knew it because this was a language. It just wasn't some kind of babbling, you know, but it was a, a distinct language. And that was, that, was a, that, was a, that was a testimony to me that this truly was from God. And Paul said that. We read that today. When you speak in a tongue, your spirit prays, but your mind is unfruitful. It's like your mind is in neutral, but your spirit is praying. Your mind just gets bypassed, and your spirit uses your your mouth, and you pray these languages directly from the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you today. If you've received the gift, use it. Use it daily. Make it a part of your life. Don't just bury it. And if you haven't received it, then I want you to seek after it. And I'd be, I'd be happy to pray for you if you haven't received it. If you'd, if you'd like to pray today, we, we'll pray for you. And, and maybe the Lord will release you. And it's a wonderful thing. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's a powerful gift that God's given us. And he wants us to be effective, not just for ourselves, but for those whom we're going to touch. See to those people out there that God has destined us to touch, I need to be full of the Spirit so I can have something to give to them. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. I want you just to talk to the Lord this afternoon. I want you just to tell Him if you're, you're if you're more hungry to be used of Him, and if you want to hear His voice more clearly, just tell Him that, that that's the desire of your heart today. And just tell tell Jesus that you're you're a, a willing vessel. You just say, Lord, I'm available for this ministry. I'm I'm here. You can count on me. And if you speak to me, and as I discern that it's from you, I'm I'm going to obey. I'm going to willing to even be foolish. I'm willing to look like a fool, but I'm going to obey you. You just tell him that if that's your heart desire here this this afternoon. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I, I want you just to, to, to release new faith here this morning. That, that we can walk in this dimension of the Spirit. That this is a challenge that you're laying before us. And that in the days and, and months and years ahead, we can learn to walk more closely and more effectively with you. And so I pray that you just write these things on our heart, Lord God. And Father, I, w- I would pray for those that, that would desire to come into the baptism of the Spirit and haven't yet. Lord, I, I pray that this week will be the week that that happens. That they'll come forth in the name of Jesus and receive something that you desire for them and the Apostle Paul desired for them. And so Lord, make, make that happen this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dick Schroeder Podcast. For more teaching and discipleship resources from Dick, visit fatherheartministries.net.